He's just an amazing poet. We're so honored to have him. Please welcome Gary Snyder. Miri Baraka. Brenda Hillman. Lee Young Lee. From Giovanni. Lawrence Gay. Among us is Diane DePrima. Welcome to Poetic Pontification, a podcast that talks all things poetry in the East Bay. I'm your host, Melina Kritikopoulos, and this week, we're talking lunch poems. Lunch Poems is a noontime poetry reading series here on the UC Berkeley campus, and it takes place once a month. It started in part by this man. Robert Hass, and I was for uh, 30 years, 30 years, a professor of English at Berkeley. Now, he's being modest. He was also the Poet Laureate of the United States for a few years and a really big part in making UC Berkeley's Lunch Poems program come alive. Back in 1994, Robert Haas and two others came together to create Lunch Poems, a noontime poetry reading series that lasts an hour and takes place in UC Berkeley's Morrison Library, a really big event that continues to this day. Now, the other two big names in the creation of this program are... Zach Rogo. And... Natalie Gerber. At the time of the program's creation, Natalie Gerber was a PhD student here at Berkeley and Zach Rogo was an English professor. And all three had a distinct love for poetry. It was initially Zach's idea to create the program, but all three worked together to actually make it happen. Now, there's three other names to note here. First is David Dewar, Director of Development. He did all the outreach. He got them the funding in the beginning when there was very, very little. Tom Leonard was Director of the Library, who got them the space in Morrison Library at UC Berkeley. And Giovanni Singleton is a poet herself who both performed and helped bring in poets to speak at the program. And the main idea was... Just a couple of people who love poetry thinking that the world should be full of it. And because it was this ragtag group of people, Lunch Poems was very small when it started out. Natalie was actually shocked to see what it's become today. When I looked up Lunch Poems after I got your call, I was like, damn, look at all the sponsors they have. We did not have that. Um, We were literally running it on sweat and goodwill. But... Despite its growing size, the mission of the program has remained. Initially, when Natalie and everyone else was starting out, they really wanted to make sure they took away the pretension of poetry. There was no sense of hierarchy. There was a sense of coming together around language. And that coming together really depended on the physical location of the program. It's held in UC Berkeley's Morrison Library, as I've mentioned, and I'll describe what that looks like in more detail in just a second. But what you need to know right now is that the poets read at a lectern on the same level as the audience, and Natalie speaks to this phenomenon in a really interesting way. There was something visceral about the series overall, because a poet was reading at a lectern, but it wasn't a lectern that was on a stage. It was a lectern that was on the same height and in many cases underneath the heads of people craning from above down to see. Okay, so a bit about Morrison Library. It's a dark academia dreamland. You've got dark wood everywhere, there's couches in deep jewel tones, people are sprawled out with books, there's a huge sign everywhere that says no laptops allowed. You feel like you're stepping onto the set of Dead Poet Society or some library at Hogwarts or the thumbnail of a Dark Academia YouTube video. It's a really cool library. 
And when Natalie mentions that there are people looking down at the poet, it's because it's two levels. There's this tiny little place above the library, sort of on one corner, and there's these little balconies that you can look down at the main level of the library from. And according to Bob, there have been events where there are so many people so excited to see a poet that they have to cram up there and look down over the banister to see the poets perform. Sometimes there, there would be huge crowds. Reading Yeats, reading Yeats, I do not think of Ireland. For Lawrence Ferlinghetti, I remember uh, coming late and finding that people were standing outside the Morrison room up on the balustrade to look in through the window because the room was filled. The L careening through its third-story world with its third-story people in their third-story doors looking as if they had never heard of the ground. An old dame watering her plant or a joker in a straw putting a stick pin in his peppermint tie and looking just like he had nowhere to go. Lunch poems got really big really quickly. But two questions still remain. First of all, why is it called lunch poems? And second, what does it look like today? The answer to both of those questions lies in one man, Frank O'Hara. The poem's called Having a Coke with You. It's even more fun than going to St. Sebastian, Irun, Ondai, Biarritz, Bayonne, or being sick to my stomach on the Travesera de Gracia in Barcelona. Frank O'Hara is a really big name in the Beats movement of the 1960s. One of his most famous books is called Lunch Poems, published in 1964 by City Lights booksellers. Now, when Natalie, Bob, Zach, and the whole gang were putting together this program, they figured, hey, wouldn't it be kind of cute if we paid homage to that poetry book? And since our program takes place during people's lunch breaks, we could call it lunch poems. ...is unpleasantly definitive as statuary when right in front of it, in the warm New York four o'clock light. Strangely enough, the first reader in this year's series, his book that he was reading from was heavily inspired by Frank O'Hara's lunch poems. But we'll get back to that. We first need to know what lunch poems looks like today. And in order to do that, we have to talk to Noah Warren, the current director. It's been a whole journey. Noah took the program over in 2019, and shortly after assuming that position, he had to switch it to an online format because of the pandemic. But people actually attended Zoom readings, and a lot of the Zoom readings have been absolutely phenomenal. But this year, given safety regulations, they were able to bring it back in person. And so this is the first time since 2019 that Noah has actually been able to host in person back in Morrison. Yeah, we heard a lot of feedback. People were craving the energy of an actual actual thing in a room with other with other breathing folks. We've heard enough of the history of lunch poems. Let's head to Morrison and see what it's all about. Hi there. Um, it's almost it's twelve ten now. We'll give another minute or so for people to filter in. Um, but I want to just first welcome you uh, to the uh, resumption of in-person readings for lunch pumps, which were really... So the library was packed. Uh, we weren't quite to capacity of people hanging over the banisters, but people were there and they were excited. You could feel this ready energy just buzzing throughout the room. It is to be back in Morrison, um, such a privilege, such a delight, um, and to be able to experience the kind of energy that poetry can fill a room with. 
I think is, uh, it's been something that's been sorely missed. The first reader of this year's lineup is Alex Dimitrov, and he was reading from a collection of his called Love and Other Poems that came out in 2021. Alex's book was heavily inspired by Frank O'Hara's lunch poems. I'm not sure if this was intentional, but he makes direct reference to the original piece constantly throughout his work. There's just something really sweet and full circle about the fact that we're finally back in person in Morrison Library, and we're subtly paying homage to the creation of the program itself. I'm delighted to welcome to Berkeley into this space one of the best and most interesting poets writing today, Alex Dimitrov. That was the most considered introduction I've ever gotten, Noah. Remember what Natalie said about the poets being approachable? That was true. Alex was a super chill guy, and there was a huge group of people that swarmed around him after the poetry reading. He was approachable. He brought the poetry to the people. And I was not feeling good. You know what's really funny? I was broke when I wrote this book, quite literally. And um, I didn't have healthcare for two years because I was adjuncting. And um, I was happier than I've ever been. Isn't that weird? I don't want to glamorize it or anything, but um, you know, now that I have healthcare, I'm like, oh, do I really want to be here? Just kidding. This is not going to turn into one of those readings. He cracked jokes, and we laughed along with him. It was a really great time. He's about to read a poem called Having a Diet Coke With You, which is a direct reference to a Frank poem, Having a Coke With You. We actually heard a bit of it before in this podcast. I'll let Alex explain. I thought, you know, well, you could just make fun of yourself, you know, with the title, and it's called Having a Diet Coke With You. Um, obviously after the Frank poem. Um, and also when, when, when the book came out, I got in trouble because someone said like, why not a regular Coke, why a Diet Coke? I think someone called me a body Nazi and I was like, sweetie, I am not drinking a regular Coke. I do not care what the politics are, there is no way. Having a Diet Coke With You. Having a Diet Coke with you is even better than a regular Coke because in New York, the streets are so skinny. I'm always worried about my hair, walking down Lex in the morning, or if we'll ever get universal health care, and I can be assured I'm dying in all the regular ways. Nothing unusual, but a professional who touches me lightly on the chest. The first time I've been touched in months, so I consider falling in love after. Lunch Poems has a really rich history. It's helped unite poets inside of Berkeley, outside of Berkeley, and honestly, around the world. It's been a driving force of poetic documentation for the past 30 years. From the ragtag group of people that created this in the 90s to the really large event that it's become today, Lunch Poems has provided a space for people to just come and listen to poetry, especially from poets they might not have already known about. And I'm just tickled by the circular nature of this particular reading. Back in the 90s, they would have had no idea that one day the program would be so big and there would be a poet making direct reference to the same thing they were making. It just goes to show you how niche all these poets are. We all like the same things. We all pull from the same muses. There's something human and there's something unique about seeing a poet come off their pedestal and stand behind a lectern. 
Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode of Poetic Pontification. I am still your host, Melina Kritikopoulos, and we hope you tune in for more poets next time.